Right now, it's Barry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. Imagine thinking that God is massively pleased with you only to find out that you've been fighting God, that you've been wounding his heart. That was me, and that was Paul. First Paul. Before Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he hated Jesus. He saw Jesus as a failed, false messiah who died a miserable, shameful death that he deserved. He violently went after Christians. He was like the people who cried, crucify. He was like the religious leaders who connived with Rome to put him to death. He was like the Roman soldiers driving the nails through his hands. And then imagine finding out that you were wrong. Imagine waking up to the reality that you've been sinning against God. Imagine all the weight of what you've done that you thought was right now crashing down on you as you realize you missed it. That was Paul. Mm -hmm. In Paul's first letter to Timothy, he reveals his heart to his young protege. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, Timothy, who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I once was a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Paul saying, I was ignorant. I didn't understand what I was doing. I didn't realize that I was opposing God, hating God, hurting God, hurting his people. But now I feel the weight of it so much so that I consider myself to be the worst of sinners. And I can so relate with Paul when I sinned, you know, specifically as a teenager, I knew it was wrong. You know, I knew in my heart, my conscience that it was wrong, but I didn't understand what I was really doing. I'm not saying it's not my fault. That's not the same thing. Mm -hmm. You just don't understand really the, the gravity of something. I didn't understand how I was giving myself lifelong wounds of shame had no idea. Right. I didn't understand that I was actually thrusting the spear through Jesus' side. I didn't understand that in wounding others, I was wounding myself and Jesus. And now I know. And I feel the gravity of that. I see the gravity of that. I understand that. I now can see. <laughs> I once was blind, mm -hmm. now I can see. Yeah. You know, our eyes are not only open to Jesus. Our eyes are open to how much we need him. And the weight of that makes me realize how much I need Jesus. The fact that I, that I can see my sin for what it really is shows me how much I need Jesus. The weight of my sin is why I'm following Jesus today. Mm. Without that weight, I wouldn't know my need. And without my desperate need, I wouldn't feel the need of a savior. And so would I change anything in the past? Probably not, because it's brought me to where I am today with my need for a Savior. Yeah, I think I was in my early 20s when the Lord just pressed into my heart that I, my selfishness, my own selfishness, my own pride, my own wanting things my own way. And I came to this realization one day in my quiet time yeah. that I'm actually harmful to myself mm -hmm. and to people that I love, the people I love the most, mm. if God doesn't intervene. Right. And I was like, okay, I don't want to hurt the people I love. I don't want to hurt myself. I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to be prideful. And so I need 
to spend time with God, like blocks of time with him, recognizing his presence, being honest about what I'm feeling and asking him to intervene. Mm -hmm. That's genuine. That's what my quiet time is. It's Lord, I want to hear from you and I want you to lead me. I don't want to do this my own way today. I want to, I want you to show me what you want me to do. Tell me what you want me to say. Where are the places in my heart where I'm not lined up with you? Like I am surrendered to your leading because when I do it on my own, it just doesn't go well. Yeah. To surrender to Jesus, to give our lives to Jesus, to surrender to the gospel is a weighty thing because it's not, it's not an easy light thing. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's realizing it's come to realizing it's coming to realize that I am more sinful than I could ever understand, but I am more loved Mm -hmm. than I could ever dream. And you need both of those things, you know, the bad news and then the good news. Mm -hmm. God has opened my eyes to understand what my sin was and is. And that's why the good news is really, really good to me. And I know that I'm loved as I am, not as I should be. And that's how Jesus loves you. As you are, not as you should be. He sees all the good, the bad, the ugly. And the only way to face the bad news about ourselves is just to own it, but then to see how much God loves us. love diving into the Christmas season and reading through the Christmas story. And I just, I feel like every single year that I have been walking with Jesus and that I have studied the Christmas story every year, God gives me something new that just is just relevant to right here, right now and where I am in life. And yeah, he's always showing me stuff through the Christmas story that I didn't see last year when I wa- when I read through the Christmas story. Well, you've been studying Luke like a crazy woman. I have, I have a bit, but this is actually different scripture than than the the segment of scripture that I've been diving into. But if you look at Luke one verse thirty eight, the angel has appeared to Mary and told her that she's going to get pregnant. Now she's engaged to be married, and she's never been with her fiance. And the angel comes and says, you're going to have a baby. Okay. Her response is Luke 138. She says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled or may it be to me as you have said. I wonder just now, I wonder if Mary knew about the prophecy, a virgin will give birth. Hmm. I wonder if that came to her mind. Of course, we'll never know, but there was a prophecy about it. Yeah. In Isaiah. So anyway, continue. Well, her attitude is, you know, your will, not mine. I mean, she, her response, basically, may it be to me, as you have said, is, is so similar to Jesus in the garden where, you know, he's like, your will, not mine, right? Total surrender. You're right. She's a young woman. She's engaged to be married. And maybe this is hitting me this year, you know, different from other years because, I had a daughter get married this past year. So I, last year at this time, we had a young woman in our family who was engaged to be married. And just all the planning of the wedding ceremony, all the anticipation of what the future is going to look like. You know, you've got it all in your head, what it's going to be. And then you get this news that everything that you're planning for, everything, how you think it's going to go down, 
it's not going to go down that way. Actually, there are going to people. There are going to be a lot of people who do not understand what I'm doing. But this is. But you're going to get pregnant. You're going to get pregnant. You're not going to be married. You know, you're going to get pushback. People are going to misunderstand. People are going to judge you. You, you know, Joseph, your own, her fiance had to wrestle with what he was going to do and how he was going to handle the situation. She had to deal with all of this. But her immediate response, not her, you know, I've had some time to think it over and I've decided I'm okay with it. No, her immediate response is, may it be to me, as you have said. And God knew that would be her response because he knew her heart. Mm -hmm. And that's why he chose her because not because she was super spiritual, but super humble. And she was an obedient follower of Yahweh. And yeah, he saw her heart and she, he saw somebody humble enough that would say, may it be unto me as you have said. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I can't help but hear her story and see her reaction and think about the the times in my own life when I've drugged my feet. You know, I know that God has asked me to do something. He's spoken and it's clear to me and I delay obedience and delayed obedience is just a fancy way of saying disobedience, right? I've not made it a priority in my life. There's something right now that God has asked me to do. I know very specifically that God is asking me to write, to do more writing. Mm -hmm. And I've blocked out times in red on my calendar for sitting down to write. Mm -hmm. And life happens, stuff happens. And I'm like, I can't sit down and write right now. I need to fill in the blank. I need to respond to such and such. I need to go pick up that med. I need to, and it's just like all these things. And okay, when I present it that way, it sounds like they're all legitimate things, right? There was one day when my time block said, Shauna, this is your time to write. You need to write right now. I literally cleaned my fridge instead of writing. Hmm. So what are you afraid of? That's the question, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know entirely what I'm afraid of. I think that the process of writing is the last time I sat down to write, I ended up uh, writing about what I'm discovering in this past year and just grieving the loss of my dad and what has surfaced in the last year as I've walked that out. And it wasn't easy. (laughs) So maybe I'm just avoiding this difficult emotions. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Uh, You know, as a songwriter, it takes a lot. It's like, for me, it's like giving birth to a child. Of mm-hmm. course, I've never had a child, but I can only imagine. But it's giving birth to something. And it's it's a really long, hard, painful process to take a song from scratch to completion in the recording studio. Mm-hmm. It just... It's a labor of love. It is. It is. And, you know, when I think about it, I go, hmm... Do I, do I really have it? Mm-hmm. Do I really have it in me to do this again? And of course, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. But I get that feeling of this is daunting. Yeah. And I know I, I'm feeling like I need some intercessors to pray for me. You know, people who are committed to just pray that that God's plans and purposes in my life happen. Yeah. Um, and I also, there's some things I need to do personally, right? But I, okay, so that's my stuff. But... This is for all of us. What would it look like? Is there something in your life right now where you're dragging your feet? And what would it look like for you to surrender that to the Lord today? To say to him, like Mary, may it be to me 
as you have said. Charlie Dyer is a professor at Moody Bible Institute, and he's the host of the Land in the Book radio program. He's also the author of Experiencing the Land of the Book, A Life-Changing Journey Through Israel, and he's with us this morning. He has spent, well, 42 years now. He's been going to the Holy Land. What's your favorite place and why? My absolute favorite place takes people by surprise, but it's the Judean wilderness. Uh, and the reason I like it so much is, well, it's it's unlike what most people think of when they think of wilderness. You know, some think of Sahara Desert. Some think of like the, the mountains, you know, the, the tall pines in uh, western U.S. It's just unlike anything that most people see. It's actually fairly much like the Phoenix area uh, with the, uh, the sparse vegetation and uh, rugged places. But But I like the wilderness because it's always the place of testing in the Bible. And it's always the place God showed that he was able to meet our needs from uh, the children of Israel in the wilderness to Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. We see a picture there. And then it's also changes during the year. You know, in the winter, the grass grows there and it it actually has a a greenish fuzz on the the hillsides. It's the place where the flocks and the herds are. So it gives you the Psalm 23. At times you go there and you can actually see the, the shepherds and the Psalm coming to life as they feed in that area. In fact, one very special trip, I spent a day walking the wilderness. I ended up appreciating the people of Israel a lot more. You know, we say those terrible Israelites, how did they not trust God in the wilderness? Well, that one trip, I had rocks eating into the bottom of my shoes. So in fact, by the end of the trip, I had to get a new pair of hiking boots. And I ran out of water while I was on that four-hour hike down through the wilderness. And uh, I'll tell you, you, you get hot and tired and your feet hurt. Suddenly go, okay, I understand what the Israelites were doing. They're still wrong. But you know, those kind of testings and trials are the times we either complain or we turn to God. And those are the lessons he keeps trying to teach us through life. I've found, you know, the hard places in my life are the wilderness times and gone through many of them, going through one of them right now. But it seems like God does his best work in us, in the hard times, in the difficulties. He's purifying us. He's deepening our faith. He's deepening our love for him. Ah, He's making us more like him. I think you're exactly right. It is interesting, isn't it? In the wilderness, uh, we, we get stripped down to the essentials of life. You know, for Israel, they, they ran out of food. They ran out of water. They weren't sure where they were going. And in those times, you, you finally are saying, is there a God or not? And can I trust him or not? And God takes us to those points where he takes everything else away, forces us to look up, and then he shows us that he is able to take care of us. So it, in my mind, those are some of the most precious experiences we go through Although at the time we may not feel like it, but afterward uh, we realize how much closer we grew to God by learning how to trust Him. I need the Lord's peace in my life, and maybe you can resonate with that. I was visiting my dad on Sunday, and he said, tell me about the Sela concert. So I started telling him about the Sela concert, and he, then he just got really quiet. And he said, you know what? I think maybe you need to call the ambulance. And so he had been having some issues and he was dehydrated. And so what happened, we did go into emergency and they said, that explains it. He was ready to pass out because he was dehydrated. So, you know, came home from the hospital on, let's see, it was Sunday night. So on Monday, dad starts having some chest pains oh my and, goodness. and he goes, 
these don't feel like any chest pains I've ever had. So he went back in the hospital and they did some tests. He stayed overnight on Monday and did the stress test, had some other tests and everything's okay with his heart. So he's now back home. And then during that time, I had some challenges with my suffering friend. I've talked about my suffering Mm -hmm. friend who's Mm -hmm. suffered a long time. And so all of this just coming on me and just feeling the weight of it, but also feeling the Lord in it, the Lord with me in it. And so I was reading yesterday, 2 Thessalonians 3.16, and I'll read it again. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. Oh, I love that. So you have at all times peace. This is knowing that in every single unsettling, scary, painful moment, I know that God won't let me go. Mm-hmm. That's the at all times peace. In every way peace is, in every way I need God to show me that he won't let me go, he will show me. Whatever your heart needs mm. yep. in this moment, God's got you. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. Thanks so much for listening. Questions or comments? Text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930. 